Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, all. Hi, Steve. Hey, girl. I am wowed by your new background. Oh, thank you. Wowed. (laughs) And, and, might I add, by your top matching your background. Thank you. Very, very nice. Impressive. I I didn't actually do it on purpose. The background really? or the jumper. No, I didn't. I was wearing this because it was cold. Um, have you seen the weather? Today, the weather is <sighs> snow in one second, sunny one second, freezing one yeah. second, grey yeah. one second. Yeah. So I've got, like, layers on, and this was just the first night thing I've got. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we, we've been doing good. some... Thank you. We've been doing some house renovations. We've got new carpets. So, um, yeah, the office is kind of switched around a bit. So that's always been there. You've just never seen it. Well, it looks good. It looks thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and can I just add, this weather, just going back to that subject, needs to go and shove itself somewhere where the sun don't shine, no pun intended, because I'm sick to death of this four seasons in one day business. I, I did not sign up for this. It's the beginning of April. It's spring has sprung. What is happening? Why is it snowing? I don't understand. And did we not have mentions of, it's going to be a heat wave, a heat uh, wave. That was a wind Please up. don't tell me that week we had last week um, was the heat wave because that Can was you imagine? not a heat wave. Absolutely I'd be very not. Mad. I'll very rebuke upset. that as a heat wave. I rebuke, rebuke it. Rebuke to wherever that came from, because that was just normal spring weather. That was Thank April you. weather. That's nothing more or less than we deserve. Right. Right, right. I don't understand. But anyway, it was a anyway. crazy week. Many mm-hmm. things happened. The weather, <laughs> probably the tamest that did happen. But everyone's <laughs> over everything. So we're not even going to mention um, what you no. think we're going to mention. <laughs> We're moving on. We're moving on. Definitely. We're choosing peace over violence. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, and as part of that peace, mm-hmm. um, I, I th- want us to talk about Sonia Climbs because we've discovered some stuff about you, Sarita, right, haven't we? What have we discovered about you? What do you mean? Related what? to Sonia Climbs. Oh, yeah. So this week, um, um, I guess I'm going to call it an African takeover just because um, I'm the minority in the room. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today, um, we're going to first male. That's number one. Yeah, yeah. We'll discuss him later. Um, Yeah. So as it's an African takeover, I was going to ask you a specific question because you're Nigerian, right? Are you, you first generation? It. Are you first generation British Nigerian? So I still need to get my head around this whole first second generation. <laughs> I think first generation, I believe, means that you have come from another country, and you are the first generation to have set up in the country you're in. So first no. generation British immigrant would be. No, I mean my first... parents. No, so I mean. First generation born British Nigerian. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. second generation. I'm second generation immigrant. If that so makes your parents sense. Born but yeah, here? basically, you're right. My parents were not born here. I was right, born so you're here. first generation. So I'm the second. No, the no, no, no. I'm second generation. Okay. All right. 
Well, 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 I, I, I know, to, I know. Disagree. Um, but that's Listen, fine. it's not about agree to disagree. The facts are the facts. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, I'm second generation. <laughs> okay. Well, so yeah. I was going to say and tell the audience that we're actually cousins um, in a roundabout yep. way. According yep. to my 23andMe um, DNA results, moi, me, I am 45.8% Nigerian. I have 45.8% Nigerian DNA. How about that, eh? How about that? I'm trying to find the round of applause button on this keyboard because <laughs> that is what that deserves. Wait, I think I actually have it. That was amazing. You're listening to the Women Who Rebrand podcast. Honest and humorous conversations all about the natural and individual transitional phases people experience to grow, start over or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalei and guest featuring professional rebranders. You can find us on Instagram at Women Rebranded. Because we're going to be talking about more things. I started watching a new program, which we're going to discuss later on too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've only been, out of all the African countries, and don't hate me, I've only been (laughs) to the most popular one, Morocco. Wait, how's that the most popular one? It's the most popular one in my eyes, because that's the only one I've been to. because okay. I've been there at least three times. <laughs> what? What? I really okay. like it. And plus, it's not a very far place to go to. I don't like flying. The flight's quite short. Mm-hmm. So realistic. And it's not... It's affordable. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's... Now I've been... When I went there once, it's like, it was a familiar place. It's affordable. So I'll go again. And then I went again. Possibly three okay. or four times. Can't remember. Wow. Wow. But anyways, I've never been to Nigeria. So Girl. next mm-hmm. time you go, you're obviously going to pack me up in your suitcase. Obviously. What is the what in Nigeria? <clears throat> right. So th- I would love to give you the lowdown <laughs> on all things Nigeria. I would love it. I'd love nothing better than to be able Why? to do that. Why am I sensitive about <laughs> So, blame my parents, right? Whenever, because we are, my family is from the east of Nigeria. We are Igbo. We're from Anambra State. And Anambra is not, well, it is, it's cool in my eyes, but it's not the place where people flock to, right? When they go to Nigeria, you hear about them going to Lagos, them going to Victoria Island, because that's where all the celebrities hang out. That's the, the Beverly Hills of Nigeria. Okay. No one's going to the village in Anambra. Like, no one wants to spend all day with the cows and the sheep and the, <laughs> the chickens running around the yards. Like, that's not what you're going to Nigeria for. So, unfortunately, I tend to always go there. I mean, you can go there and see the culture, have a fantastic time because it is where it's at. But you're probably going to want to, since you've been to Morocco 500 times, go to somewhere a little bit more 
you know, where there's fun things to do and um, fun things to see and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I would say you need to get yourself to Victoria Island. Ooh. When we go, we're going to Victoria Island. We're going to go Victoria to the beach. Island. We're going to get our suntan on. Mm. We're going to put our parasols up. We're going to have some tilapia and cassava chips okay, in the yeah. beach hut. Like we're yeah, going to, yeah, yeah. it's going to be going down. It is. I don't know it's when it's going to happen. Mm? Okay. Yeah. I was say, this sounds litty. I like it. Yeah. I like it yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. 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 Okay. We'll go to the to the bar. We'll um and we'll be talking like that because you know like they they put on that kind of American <laughs> accent thing. We'll go to the bar and we're gonna <laughs> hang and it's gonna be cute. We're gonna keep it very cute. Okay. okay. But yeah, I, I I can't tell you too much more than that. We're probably gonna have uh. to experience it together when we go. Yeah, definitely. Us. So it's, it's always good to go with someone you know. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go around and be lost and probably end up with the chickens and the cows. And be like, <laughs> oh, that's really cute. Is this it? And then I come home and be like, do you know what? Nigeria is just chickens and cows. Um, <laughs> that's it. There was no more. <laughs> no, no. It's like going to Nigeria and hanging out in my place, my neck of the woods would be like coming to England or the UK and just spending your whole time in, I don't know, Shropshire. Like that's, right. that's, that would be, I think, the best comparison. And not but going to London. Yeah, yeah. So mm. you'd have a very polarised view of what the UK is like okay. if you just spent all your time in Shropshire. But we're not going to okay. do that. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Shropshire. <laughs> but then come down to London as well I, and hang. I like it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get um this panny panidemic, panny omicron, omarion out of the way. And then when we're ready, we shall go. Indeedy, indeedy. Can't wait. So who have we got joining us today, see? So today So you know it's so we record on a Friday. Um, and it just happens to be the first of the month and it's the first of April. We're in Aries season. Aries is the sign of new beginnings, all of that kind of thing. So what we're going to be doing is something new. We're going to have a guy on today and this Ooh. guy's name is Mensa. Now, Mensa is a British Ghanaian producer, composer, rapper, singer, filmmaker who is very, like, if you know him, you know him. He's hilarious. His lyrics are very deep. They're very um, melodic. Um, They're beautiful. But he delivers in a very, I guess, iconic way. It's very him sound. And um, we will be hearing a bit more from him in a couple of seconds when he comes into the room. Fantastic. Okay, well... um... You ready to let him in? Should we let him in? Yes, please. Let's go. Right. Hello. Welcome to Women Who We Brand. Our first man, our first Hello. male that we've had on the show. So you are very, very welcome. I'm so honoured. Just, yeah, <laughs> you, you should be, you should be. Um, so we've done a little bit of an intro on you already. Okay. Um, and we're going to obviously let you introduce yourself. But just to tell people a little bit more about who Mensa is. Mensa, you've been in music for years and years and years, started when you were 16. Um, We've already said you're a rapper, you're a producer, you're a composer, a bit of a singer, recently started making more films. 
um, and you've got a, um, a it was it was released last year, right? Your latest album. Yes. Um, which is, and I'm, I know I'm probably saying this wrong because in my North London accent, <laughs> I'm going to say then. it's Bonzi. Like that's how I'll pronounce it, but yes, yeah, probably yeah. not. Yeah, you've got it. It's Bonzi. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Bonzi. Yeah. Bonzi. Bonzi. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Bonzi is your latest album, yes. and um, you've recently also created a documentary, which is accompanying it. And that you can tell us a bit more about that later. Yeah. But um, you are an icon in not only Ghanaian music, but African music and world music. That's because, like. I, I don't want to pigeonhole you. I don't want to pigeonhole this guy. So, yeah, like, over to you. Tell us, what have I missed out? Tell us a bit more about who you are. Oh, Charlie, you haven't missed anything, or if anything, you've overhyped <laughs> me, and now I'm, in, I'm feeling the pressure. Um, <laughs> you Listen, man, if I'm the first male guest, then I really I feel the pressure, man. I really do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm an I'm an I'm an artist. Um, I was raised in Ghana, and my parents allowed me to just do whatever the hell I wanted, which is where the privilege actually begins. You know, um, you know, um, luckily my parents, uh, my father, my father's from a lineage of, of artists. My father himself is a is a British trained actor from the. Uh, yeah, Royal School of Art, uh, Art or something, something fancy. And uh, my parents moved to, to the UK when, uh, when they were teenagers, both my mom and my dad. So, um, you know, they've kind of just um, supported us and just encouraged us to just, you know, just pursue anything that, you know, that we kind of uh, desire, but also with the seriousness and with the passion that one would if they were pursuing the sciences or you know, anything, uh, in, yeah, in, in that line of work. So that's really, and for me, because um, I, have a, I have an uncle who's my late uncle, Kofiansa, who's like a world-renowned, um, who was a world-renowned um, fashion designer. My my other uncle, my dad's younger brother, was a, a, is a filmmaker who's like, a, you know, has won all the awards and whatnot and was trained here, also here in the UK, and, you know, has done incredible things. For me, I, I say this to say, not to kind of, not brag and rise, but to say that there's a lot of pressure um, with what I do. Like I need to, I'm not doing it off of my family's uh, like grace or the name, but I really have to s step up and kind of match what they're doing or else why are you doing it? You know, so it's like, you know, they're very critical. Okay, cool. You want to be an artist, then you have to, you're going to have to do this properly. So I'm constantly, you know, just like everybody's watching me because they understand how, how this works they know the work that goes into it and i can't can you swear on the show can you swear on the show let me give me give me three swear words for the entire show let me use my first <laughs> ticket all right i like that <laughs> yes <laughs> so you know i've not been able to bullshit anybody in my family you know i'm not allowed to i'm not allowed to do that uh, because everybody's watching me and everybody actually believe it or not, probably does what I do better. You know, my brothers play instruments better than I do. You know, one of my brothers probably sings better than I do, but I just probably have the biggest ego in my family. So <laughs> I decided to pursue this <laughs> professionally. Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, I've had, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I've had the opportunity to really just do this uh, for over two decades now. And the joy of it is that um, 
because of the way I was allowed to approach this, it's, it's a constant learning uh, process for me. So I'm still learning things and I'm still experimenting and I, I don't feel the pressure to reach, you know, a certain status of like fame and whatnot, but just kind of treat this as a career that allows me to grow within. I love that so much, mainly because it's so the opposite of what many of us, and I don't know, because Sarita and I, before you joined, we were having a conversation. Are we first or second generation immigrants? So, so I was saying, if you, I asked C if she was first generation Nigerian. So British. Sorry. British Nigerian. <laughs> so if you're first generation British Nigerian, you're the first one in your lineage to be born here. Yeah, no? But it depends if your par I mean that's these are like semantics. Like if your if your parents are British, <laughs> are your parents British? Yeah, I, I mean do they have British been... citizenship? Yes, yes. Uh, I just <laughs> meant like when people say, Where are you really from? Yeah. Okay. But, but we don't thing. accept that. We don't accept oh, okay. because because well, then my question if, wasn't relevant then. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like for me, it's like okay, if you want to be particular, it's like no, but you two, where are you really from? Are you, you know, you must have some German ancestry or you know some Saxon whatever. Which part of Europe yeah. are you from? Really? Yeah, so like, we can tell you exactly where she's from. <laughs> exactly. So you know, let's get into you know the details. But yeah, no, you're right. I think I think Choma, you would be first generation though. I think. Your children oh, are second okay. generation. No? Okay. No? Yeah, I thought I was second and my children were third. But, yeah, we don't need to dwell on that. So, anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> back to the point. So, as a first or second generation, whatever, with parents <laughs> who were born outside of, of the yeah. UK, I was um, very much taught that I needed to pursue a career where it would guarantee me an income, a stable income. But I've chosen not to insist on that for my kids, but I've kind of done what your parents did for you. So I said, yeah. look, if you want to do whatever you want to do, that's cool, but make sure you put your heart and soul into it. You need to be the best at what you're going to be doing. If they want to pursue creative passions, then I'm, I'm here for that. But just know that you need to set the bar high for yourself and you need to be the best, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is that you want to be. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that your parents, way, way back, yeah, were of such open-minded mindset that they yeah. were able to let you do that. Yeah, yeah, but but also, I mean, this goes without saying that they they were or are very aware of the fact that you know this is the much more difficult option, which means that so, so for instance, I mean, you know, they're from like. If you have African parents, right? So basically, on the continent, it's like nobody really respects being an artist as a real career. And so my parents know that everybody else is looking at me like, okay, so what does he really do? Like, what's his education? Like, you know, if this doesn't work, what's his fallback plan? You know, you know. So, so the pressure is is, is on in both ways, and that's the thing about our parents. So, so for you, they know that if you're a musician. What is your fallback plan? What's your insurance? Like, if this doesn't work out, what do you, do you know what I mean? So hmm. I've like, so I was encouraged to actually educate myself, like within the music industry or like within, you know, the, the arts industry. Like if, if you're not singing, what else can you do within the industry that can like, that's sustainable? 
you know, and that's because it, on the continent, like back in Africa, it's like, there's no such thing. There's no real industry. There's no uh, behind the scenes, uh, uh, you know, jobs for being a choreographer or being a, a record producer or being somebody who, um, a set designer, like these things are like, they're, they're either so primitive or they don't even exist. So I think it comes from a place of parents really wanting to make sure that you, you're securing yourself and you, you know, your, your kind of your, your next generation. So it is, you're, you're so right. I mean, my mom often used to say, well, Mensa, what are you, you know, you should probably still stay in school and uh, get this, uh, uh, degree or things so that if the music doesn't work out, it's like, mom, if the music doesn't work out, then my life didn't work out. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's no fallback plan. This is the plan, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I can, I can totally understand. It. And if you're not an architect or a doctor, or, you know, an accountant or quantity surveyor, I don't even, I don't even know what that is. But if you're an African, your child is successful <laughs> if they're a quantity surveyor. <laughs> so one of our questions was going to be, um, what were you doing before you decided that music was the thing that you wanted to do? But it doesn't sound like <laughs> you were just, doing much. No, it was much music else. Or no, 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 no. I really wasn't. I think it was, I was just, ma just making a lot of trouble. You know, I really... You know, so the, so the, so the music was just just allowed me to allowed me a, a productive channel to release all the frustration and just the the the, the creative um, um, like mayhem, really. Because I was just I was really just I was just problematic. Of all my siblings, I was like the black sheep. You know, just constantly starting trouble, talking back, um, disrupting class and just really just going against the grain because I was really, I was really frustrated as, as a young person, but, um, you grow up and they tell you that, oh, these are signs of ADHD and whatnot. And so on and so forth. And I digress, but I mean, um, I really like, I, I really just needed a channel and the music saved, it saved me. And it was the only thing that I could, um, I could focus on and, allowed to take all of my time because if I wasn't doing that, then I was probably skipping school or skipping class or starting trouble or talking back to some elder, you know, just to get myself in trouble. So once, once my, my, especially my mom figured out that this was the one thing that I was pursuing in, in an almost academic manner, I was encouraged to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. I can't do anything else. If this gets taken away from me, I failed. <laughs> you say that you couldn't do anything else. However, however, we've already discussed that you're a producer, <laughs> composer, rapper, singer, and filmmaker. Have you, do you do them all at the same time? Or do you concentrate on one area at, at one time? How do you, how do you multitask? That's, that's an interesting question. I, I've been thinking about this. I think in one sense, I have to, I have to do them all at the same time, but in another sense, while I'm, while I'm pursuing one facet of the things that I do, I have to shut down everything else. So here's, here's a really simple example. So for instance, if I'm mixing, say for instance, if you, if Sarita, if you decided you wanted to be a singer or you probably are and sent me a song for me to, to produce or to mix, mm -hmm. I could work, 
as a mixing engineer, I could work on a song for a hundred hours. And when I finish, I won't remember a single lyric of the song because that's not what I'm focusing oh, on. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's okay. how I, like, I, will, I won't remember a single thing you said in the song, but I'll, I'll be focusing mm -hmm. on the sonics and, you know, mixing it and arranging the music and so on and so forth. And then when it's like, oh, Mensa, can you help me write a song? Then I kind of switch on to like my songwriter, you know, skills or whatnot. Or, you know, so if I'm, or if, so sometimes I can, I can, I can edit a short clip and not really, or say for instance, if I was working on the audio, I would just be focused on just the audio and not really understand what's going on with the visuals and whatnot. And then when it's like, okay, mentally, you know, what's, what, tell me, what do you think of the film? Like, okay, I need to go back and watch it with a different mindset. So it, it, I'm, I, I think I can kind of uh, compartmentalize these things, but it, it, it's, mm -hmm. but sometimes also if I'm just working as a producer, then I have to see the, the whole picture and then it means I'm, I'm wearing another, a different kind of hat to, you know, so it's all, it's all, they're all connected in a sense, but within it, I also have to, you know, separate myself from it, you know. Would you consider yourself an African artist, an African music artist? <clears throat> First, before anything, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. As a, as a, as a political statement, as an, a, a thing of identity, as, um, as a niche, um, as a privilege, you know, it's like, I, I have to consider all these things. Um, so when you ask me like, okay, so who are you as an artist? I will say I'm, a, I'm an African person in the world, observing the world and re like kind of re-expressing what I'm seeing in the world. Because whether you like it or not, Charlie, those people who tell you that they don't see color or they don't see race or this is a, it's all... Okay, I can't use my second swear word. I'll save that for. Oh, later. you're not going to use it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Save it's that. all, it's all, <laughs> yes, you know, and I will always see the world different from the way the, you know, from the way the next man sees the world. But it's also from my influences and my experiences growing up on the continent and, you know, understanding things different and understanding that I, when I walk into a room, my challenges are different from the next man and what I say has a different level of value or consideration, you know what I mean? It's, there's always, I'll always be reminded of that, you know, but in the same strength, it's like, I always know that I have more rhythm, I have more flair, I have more understanding for, <laughs> you know, for, for, you know, for the things around me because I've experienced the world differently, you know, my, family system, my ability to speak more than three languages, you know, and learning my oppressor's language and speaking it better than them. It's like, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm coming with a flex, you know? And then also when mm -hmm. it comes to my creative process, it's also like, I understand, I, I'm influenced by different melodies, different rhythms. And also I've been educated on how the, how the West, you know, approaches music, but then I also have my own, you know, um, influences and so on and so forth. So I'm always an African in first before anything. I'm sure you've been hyper aware of the impact of African music over recent years. So there used to be a time when the only African music that you heard about was, and I used to watch the World Music Awards back in the day, and I'd, I'd see artists that I'd rarely even heard of on those awards. Um, 
you'd hear them featured on on certain tracks, like Nana Cherry had Yusu Ndor on her track, and yeah. I was wow, oh my god, who's this guy speaking this language? Yeah, different. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's so edgy. Uh, the token African um, musicians. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> and there was only a handful that you that you would really hear about a lot of the time. Like one of my favorites, Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, and yeah, yeah. And then it was a very like so that was South African music. Yeah. And then maybe um you'd you'd hear about Ivory Coast music or Cameroonian music. And, yeah. and then you'd you'd hear High Life from Nigeria yeah. or Ghana or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Very, very niche. But now yeah. we've got Afrobeats. And now every African is all about Afrobeats. Yeah. And now <laughs> you've got Azonto. I'm probably not saying that in the way it's supposed to be said. Oh, no, but you're right. You've got it. from up and down the UK and Ireland know about Azonto and they do the dance yeah. And, and, yeah. and all of this. Yeah. So yeah. you've seen this. You've seen Burner Boy. You've seen Wizkid. You've seen all these collabs with all these massive artists. What do you think or what has it been like to see something that you've been involved in for such a long time and yeah. perhaps not been given the platform that it deserves yeah. suddenly be embraced by mainstream culture um uh, and yeah how, how has that affected or impacted you as an african artist in one sense i feel like i walked so that other musicians could fly you know you have to understand that when i when i released my album number one mango street which is the name of my my address in accra ghana um, this is exactly 11 years ago. The radio stations across the UK and in the US told me that they absolutely loved the music, but they didn't know what to do with it. And if you listen to that album now, it sounds like Afrobeats of the now. And this is like 12 years ago. And there are people who have been making this kind of music for a while. So we have to acknowledge that your generation, I don't know if you're a second generation um, British or, or, th or third, have played a key role in allowing this phenomenon to happen. You know, it's like people being connected to their African roots, living in the US and the UK, like, ah, my mom loves this song, you know, we're going to play this on radio. Or, you know, there's a time when you go to the club and uh, when, you know, when the, when the club is coming to at an end, you start hearing like bashment and reggae music and, and, and then it starts switching by Afrobeats music getting played. That's how it started, you know, and it started kind of slowly seeping into, into, into the system. So for me, it's like, I've, I've seen all, I've seen it all happen, the transition, but I also have also like, but I, I also know that it's, it's always been around, you know, we just didn't have access and it's all about access and being able to have a seat in the room and we're still miles miles away from actually being in the room you know and making uh, um, executive decisions and and rights and royalties and and you know and having shares and owning the business and things like that so it's beautiful to see but in a sense also it's like there's a lot more that we have to offer like Afrobeats music is not the only thing that, you know, that's, that's popular culture coming out of Africa. It's like, okay, so now the dance, the dance is coming now soon, sooner or later, the films are going to, you know, reach another level sooner or later, the language itself is going to become something that 
everybody's going to want to speak like the way Patwa became the thing, you know what I mean? So, and then it's like, who's owning the businesses? Who's, who's behind these record labels? Who's, who's signing these kids? Who are the, the, the choreography, choreography companies and the lighting and the design and all that stuff. Like there's so much, it's like so much more. So it's, it's, it's lovely to see. And I'm glad that I'm not in a position where I feel bitter for not being given the opportunity 10 years ago. I just feel like, yeah, man, this is, it's happening. This is what we've been fighting for all our lives and it's finally happening. And I can still contribute to it in a, in a different kind of way, not in a way that I'm, cont I'm, I'm in contention with the younger artists because I can't, and I won't do what they're doing, but there's still a space for me to, to flourish and, and kind of keep my career doing its thing. The simple answer is it's, it's really, it's really lovely to see that it's finally happening. Like we have, you know, we have Ghanaians and Nigerians and Syrians in, 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 um, in radio, you know, they your radio, your BBC radio ones and your capital and this, it's only happening because the second generation, we don't know what you are, second or third generation Africans are there now. You know, they're now identifying that <laughs> they, they, they're singing the music that their parents are singing. They speak in the language. They're proud of it. Our, you know, who 10 years ago was saying, I'm going to Ghana for Christmas or this summer, forget Europe. I'm going to Africa. To, it's, it's happening now, you know, because of your generation, you know, but there's still so much more, so much more to, to see. Like it's the facets of uh, many. So it's nice to see, but there's still room for growth, I'd say. Just on that, so my kids are mixed Igbo Yoruba. So both mixed my race. Are from, they're mixed race kids, right? <laughs> and we have unfortunately not passed on. Well, I I can't speak my language. My husband can't really, even though he would disagree with me, can't really speak his language. So we haven't been able to pass that on to the kids. But they through music know more of their language than through just us being able to teach to them. Like wow. they, my eldest will be singing along to some Yoruba track. I'll be like, uh? Uh? she doesn't even really know what she's saying, but she knows she, she's saying it. And she'll, and I know she's going to be one of them kids in the club. Who's going to be in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this yeah, from yeah, 10, 15 yeah, years ago and singing yeah, it in Yoruba yeah, and yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. It's, it's, and that's all through music. It really is. I mean, I, look, um, a few years ago, I went, I walked into my, my daughter's room and she was just shouting, daddy, come, come and look, come and look. So I pulled out my camera. Me, every opportunity I get, me, I pull out my camera because I don't know what I'm going to catch. I walked into the room and there was a cartoon series that she had found messing around on the internet. And it was a character called e EJ. And it was a Nigerian series teaching kids how to speak the language. But the crazy thing was that the main character had her name. And she was like, Daddy, there's somebody who, there's, there's, she, she's called EJ. Her name is EJ. And, this, and so, do you know what I mean? And it's like, like, never in my wildest dreams would I think that I, like, I would turn on, like, uh, the TV and see, like, a British uh, cartoon series with a name like Mensa or like Chioma or anything, you know what I mean? Anything like that, you know, it's like, once again, it's representation, which can go either way, you know, the subjects of representation and, you know, it's, and so they're learning these songs and they're singing the entire songs in Igbo 
and looking for the translations and things like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's this yearning for our, our offsprings and even this generation to really tap into what's going on back at home and identity and really defining what that is. Whereas 20 years ago, you know, I know that my brothers who <clears throat> grew up here would sometimes hide their identity because they'd even have the mick taken out of them by uh, Afro-Caribbeans. Like, oh, you Africa, blah, 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 and just like hiding their identity. But now it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm from Ghana. Oh, you're from Sierra Leone. Oh, you, do you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's a different mm. uh, this mm. kind of pride in owning who, who we are these days. And it's, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing to see. You're a bit of an anti-celebrity, so I've heard, and um, <laughs> but you have always courted controversy. Um, but you don't, you don't seem to be afraid of getting any ha um, like hate or anything like that online, right. especially. You've got quite a big following, so you know some people are usually like, mm, let me mm. kind of censor like, what like I themselves. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and you've recently been an advocate for LGBTQ plus rights in Ghana. Um, yeah. It sounds like a, you know, a little bit of a silly question, but why has it been so important for you to speak your mind? Okay, so I think for me, it's not something that, like, I don't set out to be controversial. I think my, in my nature, it's imperative that I speak what's on my mind, you know, or else I will implode and I'd rather we all explode than <laughs> I implode alone. We're all going down together, you know? <laughs> 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 um, and it's also, it's also a bit, I think has a lot to do with my upbringing as well, when my mom was really candid um, with us. And so also encouraged that, but also just knowing, you know, your limits and so on and so forth. And so I feel like my, my niche is, is, is really built from social commentary and just looking at society and how it reflects on us. And if you're an artist and your, your music or your art is not reflecting what you're seeing around you, then really, what are you like, what are you doing? What's your contribution? You know, I don't, I don't say this to knock other artists who just want to make you dance or want to make you party because these are all equally as important you know what i mean we're not uh monolithic you know you know uh, beings and whatnot so but for me i i feel like i need to speak my truth and speak truth to power and just really just treating other people like i want to be treated and presenting that to, uh, to the music which is why and and this whole thing about um uh, uh this kind of homophobic nature that Africans have been attributed with is it's it's not true it's not that's not the story that's not the the true narrative okay. it's a, it's a it's it's it just it just so happens that there's a group of people who have a louder voice or a louder uh microphone who are kind of like oh Africans we don't like gay we were this is all like western like religious nonsense that we have uh, um indoctrination you know we are we've always always accepted people and their sexualities and actually in a, in a, in a, in a far more advanced way than the, like the West is realizing. Like we, do you know what I mean? It's like we, 
we actually, in the language, do not uh, differentiate from uh, masculine and feminine. Um, when we address mm. God, the Almighty Being, actually, we say the Him, She, Her, Almighty. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's like this. Okay. So yeah. So actually, his like the name is Na Atana, which is like um, the King Queen God. Do you know what I mean? And it, we don't right. have like male pronouns or, or female pronouns or whatever. It's like you just you just are who you are. You know. And so these things that and in in some of the Akan um, uh, communities, if you wear what we call. Uh, uh, gay or bisexual, whatever it is, you are actually treated as like deity because you've been born with both powerful, um, well, you know, whatever, all the, uh, I don't know, the attributes the of, of both, of, gen yeah, gen of yeah. all genders, do you know what I mean? So all this kind of, you know, and just like the, the sexualization of nudity and all these things, it's like, these are all like Western constructs, do you know what I mean? So built on like sometimes of, of like, like important religions and so on and so forth. They're not really understanding like who we are, you know? So for me, it's like, if I tap into that energy, I'm like, oh, Charlie, this is nonsense. This is not, you know, and Ghanaians and Africans, <laughs> we're struggling. Our governments are cheating us there. You know, we don't have money. People are, you know, broke. And it's like, so what do you do? You kind of, you, 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 you're being bullied. And so you just find the next you know, weak person, and then you kind of restore your issues. Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's nonsense. If we, if we had money and we're chilling, nobody cares about, you know, like who's he and she and who's in love with, like, this is so, it's like, it's, it's so mundane, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> but it's about just, just really... keeping it real yeah. and authentic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I just... It just so happens that, you know, Ghanaians, I can speak for Ghanaians, can be very conservative. And so if you speak something that's a little bit like not what everybody else is saying, even though they might be thinking something else, that, oh, he's so controversial. It's like, it's not really controversy. It's just, I just, I'm just saying what you're thinking. And you don't have the guts to say it. That's all. I think Sarita knows what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to blur out what I'm thinking, and I'm like, "But you were thinking it as well, so you whatever. know, yeah. you know, you know, you were thinking mm. it, man." Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're all about rebrands, right? And the pandemic has made a lot of people have to rebrand and pivot and just adapt the way that they did things before. Um, especially performing arts, creatives, there was a time when it was just locked down. You can't go and see anything. You can't hear anything. People who make a living off of live performing, they couldn't do that anymore. And I know that you're one of those people. So um, what was it been like, or what was it like during that period when you weren't able to perform and what were you able to do to pivot, rebrand yourself, get yourself through it? to get to where you are now. Yeah, I had to, I had, I had to go through all the motions, man. Um, so my, <laughs> the lockdown started for me with me, with my suitcase, walking out to the house, saying goodbye to my family and then getting the text message saying, please stay at home. Your, your train has been canceled. I was, I was going to Paris by a train. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
you know, and then uh, like 30 minutes later, my manager calls me and is like, oh, mental, you know what, the, this show has been canceled. And then by the end of the day, I was just seeing, looking at my ca my calendar and everything was just getting crossed out, getting canceled. I was like, okay, cool. This is the new reality. And you know, the frustration sets in. And for me, the first thing was like, okay, so who am I? if I'm not allowed to go out there and perform my music to the world, like how, like, you know, how do I validate myself and, and how do I even make a living? And then you're, you know, the pandemic really forced us all to just stop, just stop. You know, you just had to stop. You're at home. You stop. You have to deal with your kids in a different way. You have to deal with your relationships, your friendships, your partnerships and whatnot. Like everyone is in your face, you know? Um, and so for me, it allowed me to really face all the things that I'd been running away from head on, you know, and take a look at like my books, my finances and be like, okay, what are you doing with yourself? Like, where'd you go from here? If you're not allowed to go out there and perform and what, what about all the housekeeping that you need to do? I'm, when I say housekeeping, I actually mean like with my business and my partnerships and collaborations and all the people I was doing things with that I was like, Oh yes, I'm so busy that I, I don't have the time to, to take care of my website. I'm so busy that I don't have time to, to clean up my Instagram because I'm a traveling man. And I'm, you know, I've got a flight to catch and I'm so busy that one day I'll sit down and really look <laughs> at my children's homework and make sure that, you know, they're, and it's like, okay, now you're here. What's your excuse now? So for mm -hmm. me, it was just an opportunity for me to just, tackle all these things that I've been running away from, from, you know, and Chum, I'm sure you can attest yeah. to this. Like you find out, like I discovered, so not only, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to go into that because not only for my career, but I also kind of had to really rediscover who my children were because you realize that, you know, they mm -hmm. spend so much time at school. Yeah. And when they come home, it's about just settling, settling them in, feeding them and sending them off to bed. You know, but what kind of learners are your children? What kind of, how critical are your children? What, you know, what's their level of um, education, like reading skills, writing skills, um, um, thinking and, you know, comprehension and things like that. And what kind of parent am I? Do I like my kids? Like, you know, like, you know I discovered quickly that I, <laughs> it's I a good like, question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I discovered quickly that I didn't like my kids and my kids really didn't <laughs> like me either. So, like, <laughs> you know, but it's like, what do you want to do? You know, what's the way forward? Are you, are we building? I mean, we've come out the other side, like, like I really know my children in a way that I never would have been afforded that opportunity if this pandemic didn't happen, you know? And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And in terms of my business as well, I took risks. I severed certain relationships. I had to have honest conversations with people I was in, uh, in business with, uh, my bandmates, um, carrying other people's weights and also like, uh, uh, delegating things to people that I should have been doing myself, you know, and hiding behind being busy and not really taking care of my affairs, you know, in all my relationships work-wise. And then I also had to pick up new skills because I couldn't tour and, you know, I still had to pay bills. I still had to, you know, find something to do. So, you know, I picked up video editing. I, 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 you know, I bought, um, 
filming gear, um, uh, tripod stands and green screens and downloaded illegal software. And, you know, I just, you know, took, <laughs> you know, took the time to really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do not advocate I, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I made the money and bought the real thing, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you know this. I mean, you, you, your family went through a crazy transition, you know, like in terms mm. of like, you know, like even just tapping into your kids, like skills and talents and really seeing like where they were going with things, you know, like we're all privy to, True, to, to yeah. that, you know, every mm. one of us, you know, and, and I found new appreciation for teachers as well. Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so for me, it really, it was a great opportunity for me to really stop and reassess every single thing I was doing and everything, all these bad habits I'd picked up in the last decade, you know, and just go through the motions of like breaking down and picking myself back up and re-identifying myself. So that's in a sense, I guess that's what rebranding is. And just also understanding that, understanding what needed doing for me to get to the next stage of my career. And if I could do that myself, or if I could bring people on board who understood my goals and my, you know, my aspirations and how they could contribute to that or how we could, you know, collaborate on that. And that's, that's one of the biggest things for me. Like if you can't do it yourself, find someone who can do it and pay them for it, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, absolutely. There's no shame in that. I think we're taught a lot of the time. And I, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week about the, the benefits of asking for help when you need it. it. There's, there's no, there's absolutely no shame in not being able to do everything yourself because why would you be able to do everything yourself? Everyone has different skills. Everyone brings different things to the table. Right. So you right. need to use those. Everyone, if we all shared our skills and talents, yeah. it'd be cool. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. I, the, 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 there's, there's actually a real power in identifying what you cannot do for yourself and being able to ask for help. That that's where the, the strength is. You know, knowing that I can't do this, but I need this to make myself a better person. And I see that I see that in you, and you know, there's an opportunity for us to create something great. If you can identify these things, that's that is the real power. You know, not be ego driven. Mm. You know. So yeah, man, it turned the pandemic turned us all into philosophers. Look at me, just quotes and. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think you've been a bit of a philosopher for a while, Mensa. You didn't need the pandemic to help you. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of creatives, though, that have, well, the privileged creatives that have used the time during COVID to grow and to rebrand, but to learn so much more and just to realise that you can be so much slower. You don't have to do everything. And again, it's just about learning and yeah, slow, slow. <laughs> I think that's the key word here, right? Yeah. I just, take your I don't time. understand what I was doing before <laughs> COVID, but I'm like, how was I doing so many things? When did I stop? Like, I'm still busy now, but even more so before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was, yeah. That, um, and it's mostly chaos. It was just time. like, yeah, you know, just, mm. oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it's like, no, you have to stop and deal with it, you know, yeah. and s slow mm. down your pace, you know, and do things in a more, 
mindful way, you know. I think yeah. maybe that's that's yeah, really what's you important. Matter. Yeah. You yeah. Matter. yeah. So you've been in the world of music for over um did you say two decades? Yes. Mold. That's making me feel old. I don't know about you, but um <laughs> all right. We'll we'll skip that bit. Um and music has changed so much. Like I remember taking my um, MP3 thinking I was mega cool because it's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> don't have CDs anymore. And look how small it fits in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. But like since that time and then iPods, music streaming has changed so yeah. much. It's yeah. like just gone. And my kids yeah. don't even know what a CD is. It looks at me a bit odd. Um but Kanye West recently released his, um, I think it's Donda 2, on yeah. um, his own device. Yeah. And that little so I haven't device heard it. Thing. I don't know yeah. about you. Yeah, we're not, yeah, yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. hear it. Yeah. Uh, until <laughs> someone puts it on, like, something else back in the day. Like, what was the yeah. thing? Like, pirate something. something. LimeWire. Yeah. That was it, that... LimeWire. Yeah. No, yeah. No, also don't Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Oh, Obviously, yeah. 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 Yeah, you shouldn't shoot. know better. That's before we knew better. <laughs> when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So mental. Yeah. How has the way in which you are seeing music being consumed changed? Have you noticed a difference in terms oh. of you producing music and releasing music? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it, it's become a lot more than, I mean, it's, for a while, it's been a lot more than just being able to make good music, but it's also about like what your uh, uh, social media presence is about and what everything else around the music. Yeah, it's, it's actually all about everything is around, everything else around the music to push the music. It's not it's not about the music, yeah. you know. The music is like twenty percent, you know. And so, if you're not savvy, if you're not, you know, if, you, if you're not creative, if you're not if you don't have an interesting lifestyle online and so on and so forth, it's like you could be making the dopest jams and nobody cares for it, you know? And it's, it's, it's really stressful for a lot of musicians who just want to play music, you know? But it's also, on the other hand, a great opportunity for us to own our identities, our brands, tell our stories the way we want to tell it, and also show different artistic sides of who we are, you know, as musicians, you know. And so it's it's difficult. And if you don't really identif identify who you are and what you want from the art that you're creating, you can get lost inside this ocean of information and just so much entertainment that you're just like, it's like, okay, so I need a TikTok account. Okay, but no, but no, before that, it was like Snapchat. Oh no, everybody has, you know, it's like, and like, it's a lot. It can be really overwhelming, you know? So it's really like identifying who you are, what you want to do, who your target audience is, what your music is about, and just just building on that. But it's, it's so frustrating. And it's like a lot of people are giving up just because it's like the concept of social media connected to being an artist is... Um, overrides everything else. You're a dedicated father. You're a dedicated musician. We've already talked about how the pandemic allowed you to form new a new relationship with your children. But now we're post-pandemic. Now yeah. touring is yeah. opening up again. Yeah. 
how are you able to combine fatherhood and being an artist, being a musician? It's a, it's a, it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. And basically like both sides, I'm, I feel like I'm being yanked by both sides and I also want to be with both sides. And I think and there's no, I don't know what the formula is. I think that for me, it's, it's about being present when I'm present, you know? Um, so when I'm with the kids, they get an 110% and we're making up for all the lost time. And while I'm away, I'm constantly staying in touch with them and also explaining to them what I do for a living, because sometimes it's like when they, when they can empathize with what you do, they understand the processes that you have to go through they can actually encourage you mm. to go ahead and do what you need to do that. So that when you're with us, you know, they're at that age where they can really appreciate these, these little things. And then also on the other hand, sometimes I feel like, oh my God, I need to leave these children with their mom and just disappear for three days. So I can just like work endlessly and finish yeah. this, this thing that's really eaten me up, you know? And I embrace all of that, you know, I embrace all of that. I think once everybody knows that I need to, um, to create, and I also need to work on my, on my, on my craft, just as anybody would in any other career to kind of, to be able to, to be fulfilled, I go ahead and I, I do that without feeling shame or feeling like I'm leaving something behind because, you know, I'm keeping them in the loop. It was much more difficult when they were younger, but now they understand the concept of, okay, so you, you say you're going for six days. Yeah. Okay. So basically does that include the day you fly off or you is six days <laughs> after you land or you know what I mean? and then calculate. And then, you know, my eldest has a, has a phone now to text him. It's like, is it today? Are you coming to him? It's like, okay, sure. I'm going to send you a copy of my flight itinerary. You know, um, so I don't have any kind of like, uh, you know, work-life balance story and, you know, and just like, you know, I do six hours of this. Charlie, I just do what I have to do. And if my kids need me, I'll drop what I'm doing and be there for them and make sure that I am very involved in their daily activities. Like, you know, they're old enough to walk to, to go to school themselves, but if I can, I'll just walk with them in the morning so we can catch up and, you know, so I can yell at them and, you know, pretend I know everything, you know, just to kind of just, you know, be in there, you know, be in their system, you know, so much so that now if I don't walk them to school, it's a problem, you know? Um, but in the same strength, I'm also like, if I'm working and I'm really into what I'm doing, I'm just like, I need you children to disappear, just become air. Mm. But but we, mm. and you know, my little one's constantly guilt tripping. But but we are your children. We are your daughters. Right now, I need <laughs> you to not be my daughter. Be air. <laughs> 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 you know, I just having just trying to really have a frank, you know, approach to to you know what I do. And I always say to them, look, if I'm not allowed to feel fulfilled in what I'm doing as an individual. I don't think I can be a good father for you. Tell my children, don't disturb me. This, us, this, this is what don't disturb me, me looks like. <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? <laughs> are you recording? <laughs> are you on a call? Charlie! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the ones where they just peep from the side. Yeah. And but like, they're being really discreet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And it's like... like <laughs> I can see you. Everyone can see you. <laughs> what are you trying to do? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> are you on the call to Auntie Irene? Is she on there? Are you busy? <laughs> Can I say hello? <laughs> so, so my thing is like, you know, I, I, and this is my, this is my um, mantra for every relationship. It's like, if I don't feel fulfilled or if I don't feel, if, if I don't, it's like, you know, I'm sure you guys know this. It's like, if I don't have happiness within me, I cannot be happy with somebody else. I can't look to somebody to kind of, you know, it's just, mm case of you know um sharing energies and being prepared to 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 release those energies so with my kids it's like you it's like dad you work so much i was like i'm really aware i'm really sorry but this is really important to me and i need to finish this because it's important to me as not your dad but as an individual who needs to do this because this is important to me and when i finish you and i are going to have a good time you know um and that's such a great lesson for them yeah. as individuals yeah. to learn as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes, we're parents. Yes, it's our responsibility to look after them, but we are still independent too. beings outside yeah. of being parents. Exactly. And they have to realise they are independent beings and they need to have their own interests and, yeah. and be allowed to cultivate yeah. them and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're doing them a service. When you're wishing your youngest to be heir, <laughs> then that is teaching her a very good yeah. lesson. Yeah. A very good life skill. Yeah. I mean, one thing we don't say in this house is, Dad, I'm bored. Like, if you're bored, then you're a boring person. It's no, you're not bored. You're just boring. <laughs> you can't do anything with yourself. Then you're, what, what am I going to do for you? Please, Charlie, go and sit down. <laughs> you know, I heard that on, 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 on a TV show and I was like, hey, that's true, right? Like, this you cannot tell me, like we have over 200 books in this house, board games, uh, uh, just, uh, you have toys, you have like everything that you just, can you not give me 30 minutes for me to finish? Oh, no, but it's like, okay, I get it. You want my attention, but this is important for me. Let me finish. And then I can dedicate time, you know, for you. So I'm quite candid. I'm quite frank with them with just being able for them to, un like for them to be, able to understand that I need my time to do my work because it's important to me, you know, aside from being able to, it, from allowing me to uh, provide for the family, it's actually what I like to do. <laughs> it's not, it's not mm. about you and your kids will always compete <laughs> for your time, especially when they see that you're enjoying something, something like that. It's almost like, I'm sure both of you know this. Like you keep, every time you get a phone call, that's when they're most are, like present around you and asking you questions. And can I? It's like what? Excuse me, please. So, this was my friend before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> this friend. <laughs> so yeah, man. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. I'm trying to look over your shoulder when you get messages. Like I'm on WhatsApp. Yeah. And my youngest is always like pretending that she's over. invisible. Excuse me. I can, I can see you. Yeah. I can see that you're looking. Why are you reading my messages? What are you looking at? This is not your message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's Yeah>. <laughs> are you asking Auntie Mega to bring alcohol when she's coming? <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Mensa is a British Ghanaian producer, composer, rapper, singer and filmmaker. He is known for his recognisable sound and instinctual storytelling while still deeply rooted in his motherland. Mensa's career started when he was 16, producing for the legendary British Ghanaian artist Reggie Rockstone. Together, they pioneered the then new sound hip life music, which became the mouthpiece for the youth, eventually resulting in the birth of Afrobeats. A decade later, Mensa's album Number One Mango Street was MOBO nominated and sparked a series of collaborations in the UK. Mensa has been featured in three of Damon Albarn's Africa Express tours, performed at the prestigious Glastonbury Ferry from 2016 to 2018, and headlined at numerous music festivals across Europe and recently the British Library's Music and Culture Festival celebrating African culture. What in the world? I still haven't recorded a soundbite for that. So um, the weird generic accent's gotten a lot better over the week. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah, yeah. So what in the world? See, you made me watch a program I've never seen before, and I am truly grateful. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm obsessed. <laughs> young, rich, and African. Young, on young, Netflix. famous. Yeah. Oh, young yeah. famous. Yeah, sorry, that's my bad. I said oh, it was yeah. young, rich, and African. It's young, not... famous, and African. Mm-hmm. In which way? Um, it's good stuff. So I want to go out there. Um, it's a Johannesburg they're filming. Mm-hmm. I need to know all the the stylist. Um, yeah. Yeah, I need to go. I need to hang out. I need to just have that lifestyle. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Have you both been watching it? I was. <clears throat> I was encouraged. I was encouraged to watch it for um, <laughs> for research purposes, <laughs> and um, I'm quite intrigued by it. Huh? Is it representative okay. of the life of an African music star? I think it's TV. I think that's all it is. It's TV. Mm. Um, Crushing my dreams. I'm so sorry, but okay. Let let me kind of let's give you some leverage. Okay, I think. <laughs> there was was it housewives of atlanta or rappers wives it's it's also tv mm-hmm. it's just kind of editing like it's like hyper hyperactive like editing on on steroids you know what i mean and so it's like everything is okay. at the maximum you know of like emotions and when we are partying it's like top and when we're low it's like yesterday i watched and it's like i watched how she went from i'm running my businesses to like I'm so sad. My children are just stressing me out. And, you know, it's like, and like, you know, like two, it's it's like, they're kind of like uh, emotion mongering, you know, and it's like, wow. And then it's like, she got off the phone to her daughter and she sat in the corner like, oh, I miss my children. I've only been gone for seven hours. (laughs) You know, it's like. So basically everyone's just very dramatic. Yes. Yes. And I, I realize I, the thing is, I realized that I don't hate it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. hate it. It's like, okay. I was, I was like, okay, this is TV. And so let's see the African, yeah. the, the heightened African version of, you know, wives of, I don't know, like these, you know, housewives of whatever it is, or, you know, millionaires, what, yeah, wife yeah. or whatever these shows are. So I, I, but there's one person in there who's like a style, the Nigerian stylist or whatever. Um, swanky, 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 and he's he's just that. He's just that. I mean, I've only seen one episode, but he is swanky. I was like, I was, I, I was just watching his like his get up, and I was like, wow, 
no, nah, man. So you wouldn't wear that now. <laughs> but I was just like, <laughs> I love it. I mean, he is like, he's, that's the thing. Like, I think he is who he is in that show. Mm, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. You know, he comes across as um, quite that's, genuine. That's, you know, like he's just being himself and not trying to be. Yeah, like else. for TV and whatnot. But his like his styling is incredible. Mm. Like I really that was that for me was, you know. But I don't know enough. I'm gonna watch another episode for research purposes. Mm. Of course, so, research. Yeah. Mm. I'm not really enjoying yeah. this. Yeah. No. See, who do you like on the show? So I have a bit of a love hate relationship with. Um, I think it's Kanye, Kanye Mbaou. Um, she's an actress. She's my fave. Yeah, so I started off mm-hmm. not really liking her. So she's the main lady who kind of narrates mm-hmm. the whole thing. And everything centers around her and her ridiculously long eyelashes and her blue contacts and her red <laughs> eyes because the blue contacts are irritating her eyes, but she refuses to, to get rid of that blue eye persona. I thought she was just sad. <laughs> That's, no, that's theory. irritation. That is eye irritation. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I do like her. I think even though she's very extravagant over the top, she is also very down to earth. So continue watching it because I just finished it and I love right. it. It ended on a cliffhanger. So I'm hoping Netflix is going to renew it for another oh. season because I need to know what happens. Okay. But um, yeah, okay. I she really um, endeared herself to me through is, that, is she, the, that is she the South African actor the 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 one who um yeah the, the party the ball at, at the beginning yes the ball uh-huh. the ball I haven't yeah. seen the ball the yet ball so. during what? which yeah. she made many speeches yeah she's she <laughs> redeemed herself after that I don't think she came off very well during episode it, one no I wasn't fun. liking her character at all <laughs> yeah I mean I still like yeah. her <laughs> I think I was yes. I liked her hair and her yeah, makeup yeah, yeah. and the clothes yeah yeah I was just yeah. Just a bit distracted yeah, from the yeah. words. Okay, so young, famous, and average. Yes. Good for entertainment. Slightly good for representation because it's like, well, Atlanta, Orange yeah. County, why not have yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I and think it's nice. Whole continent. Uh, One for whole Absolutely. Continent. And I mean, I mean, guys, Santon really is what you're seeing on the screens. Like, I've been to Santon and it's incredible. It's like, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like. Oh, it. I mean, South Africa really? and so that's why the white people weren't going to leave. It's 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 like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh knew. man. I mean, I've, look, man. I've, <laughs> I've you know I've seen the landscapes of South Africa, and I get it. I get it. It's like mm. if I was mm. if I was Beautiful. the colonizer, I'd probably be like, yeah, now nah, I'm staying. No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> <Help> it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Right. So the last segment of the show is where we get our guests to offer some words of advice based on their wealth of experience. So oh. you, as um, an, a musical artist, <laughs> composer, producer, singer, rapper, filmmaker, all of those kinds of things, what advice would you offer to those who are currently in the performing arts? How can they continue to get their work seen and heard? despite all of what they're up against in this pandemic slash post-pandemic world? Hmm. I'll try and keep this short. I think with social media, you easily, you can easily get caught up in 
like the lifestyles of other people and constantly compare their, you know, achievements and successes to yours and completely depress yourself without reason. You know what I mean? So it's really about for me and because of my, like from my experience, I would say it's really about understanding what it is that you want and pacing yourself. I think we spoke about this, just like taking your time and just doing things and just enjoying the process, but not giving yourself this kind of undue pressure. I think that's the one thing that a lot of, a lot of artists are facing right now because you look, you look around you and everybody's doing something great, you know? <clears throat> and so it's really about pacing yourself. I, I couldn't say this enough, you know, and really mastering your craft because it's about the, what's the, what would they say? The, the long term, the long game, playing the, the long game, you know, it's like, yeah, I, yeah. Longevity, longevity yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, are you doing this because it's an avenue to fame and like 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame? Or is this like, is this a lifestyle, lifetime decision, you know? And therefore, mm. there are so many things that you could learn, so many ways you can enjoy what you're doing. But by just like going through the process, like due process, you know? Don't give yourself undue pressure. I always say that. And if you can't do something, get somebody to do it with you or for you. And if you're tired, rest. Perfect. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Slow yeah. down. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Where can people hear you, see you, find out more about you? Let our listeners know. Yeah, so my name is Mensa, M3NSA. If you type that into your browser or on your phone or whatever you're using, Everything will show up. I'm on. I'm on Instagram as Mensa. On what? Uh, Twitter is my. That's my poison. I'm on Twitter. That's where I live. Um, <laughs> um, and okay. my music is on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. I've got a website. Everything is online. Just type in M3 NSA, and everything else will show up. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank so you guys. Much. Thank you. First mail on our thank, show. thank you for allowing me Yay. to be a woman who has rebranded. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're saying in with women who have I mean, Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Women Who Rebrand, the podcast. Honest and humorous conversations about the transitional phases people experience to grow, start over or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olaleye and guest featuring professional rebranders. The podcast covers starting over at different stages of life, championing personal growth, aka a personal rebrand.